On this episode, my guest Gary Takis will share tons of tips and tools you can use to lead a practice or any small business, and in particular, his area of expertise, helping people become effective business leaders in their professional practices. Plus, Gary will totally make you want to go see your dentist, in a good way. I promise. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode number 93. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help people be better leaders through improved communications, human relations, and personal productivity. And today's guest is someone who has lived and breathed all of that for many years. He's an expert in professional practice management, and Gary Takis is also a great guy, and I'm really excited to bring him to the show today. Uh, Let me tell you how I got connected with Gary originally. I was at a meetup at a conference in San Diego about two months ago, and I I literally was standing in line for pizza. (laughs) I mean, it it was, you know, it wasn't any fancier than that. And uh, Gary was standing right behind me, and we started chatting, and it turned out that I had heard Gary as a guest on a podcast probably about a year ago. And we started chatting and talking, and I knew what Gary did for a living, which was helping dentists become more effective as business leaders in the business parts of their business, but also the leadership aspects of their business and the behavioral aspects of their business. And so we started talking, and you know, it never really occurred to me that we did kind of the same work. But as we talked, I realized, wow, we had so much in common. We talked about Dale Carnegie. We talked about leadership. We talked about business management. And I think it probably took about three or four minutes. And I was like, oh, you got to be on the show. I'd love to have you. And he was so gracious to come on the show. And uh, even if you're not a dentist, don't know a dentist, even if you've never been to the dentist, uh, you know, uh, you will get something of great value from this episode, I know, because Gary just brings a lot of wisdom, great examples, and I know you'll enjoy listening to him uh, as much as I have. So here's my conversation with Gary Takas. I'm just thrilled to welcome my guest this week, who is Gary Takas. Gary is one of the most recognized dental practice management consultants in the dentistry today, and his knowledge of the business of dentistry has helped thousands of dentists develop a thriving practice in all kinds of economies, and he's an accomplished speaker, coach, and Gary is also a podcaster himself. Uh, he has the show The Thriving Dentist, which you can find on iTunes. Just type in dentist and he pops up. So I'm so thrilled to be talking to a fellow podcaster. Gary, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Hey, Dave. It's great to be on the show. You know, I've had this marked on my calendar since we scheduled it, and I am super excited to be on the other side of the mic. How cool is this? I know. It's great, isn't it? I've really looked forward to talking to you since we met back in San Diego, uh, I guess it was a month or two ago. And, uh, you know, you you just have a great personality, and I can tell you're just excited about what you're doing and how you're serving people. And as we started talking and uh, talking about our mutual uh, affection for Dale Carnegie, I was like, ah, oh, we got, I got to have you on the show and talk to <laughs> talk with you about what you're doing with clients. Um, so before getting into that, tell me a little bit about your work, Gary, and how did you get into doing what you're doing now? 
You bet, Dave. Uh, and, and again, it's just an honor to, to, to be on the show. Uh, the work that I do, I'm a dental practice management uh, consultant, a dental coach, and uh, I coach uh, a dentists around the country, dentists and their team members, on how to develop a successful practice. Uh, now, realize that uh, in dental education, in, the, in their in in their postgraduate education, uh, dentists learn about the clinical side of dentistry. They they learn how to perform the dentistry, but they get very little, if any education on the business side. So essentially, mm. you know, they graduate with the skills to do the dentistry, uh, but they uh, then have to learn, you know, through the school of hard knocks, uh, unfortunately, they have to learn, you know, how to create a successful business. So there's a, a wonderful opportunity for uh, people like myself and firms like mine uh, that help dentists uh, on the business uh, side of, of their practice. And uh, Dave, how I got into this was uh, I, uh, I'm a University of Oregon graduate. That makes me a fighting duck. Ah, Okay. Uh, yeah, and I do want to em- emphasize the fighting part. We're not regular ducks. We're, we're fighting ducks. You don't want to emphasize the duck part? <laughs> <laughs> these days, it's okay. Uh, the University of Oregon has developed quite the reputation these days in athletics, and uh, uh, I'm a proud, uh, a proud fighting duck. Uh, but anyway, I had... Uh, uh, recently graduated from the University of Oregon, and I, I graduated. Uh, I graduated in three and a half years. I was in a rush. Uh, oh, good for you! I wanted to finish up, and uh, I was on my way to law school. And uh, I didn't realize my plan wasn't as well thought out at that point because I, I as I'm, you know, racing through my education, I uh, didn't realize that uh, you know law schools only accept in the fall. So I graduated in December, and essentially had uh, you know seven, uh, six or seven months before then I would start uh, law school. Had a young family at the time. Had to make a living. And uh, so I went to work as a law clerk. I figured that would be good, you know, to work as a law clerk and and learn that side of it. Went to work as a law clerk to support my family. And uh, it turned out that I worked for a firm, a law firm that that specialized in working with physicians and dentists. Oh, interesting. And uh, interestingly enough, about two weeks into my uh, clerkship as, as a law clerk, uh, our senior partner came to me and said, Gary, I understand that you're interested in going to law school. What kind of a law do you want to practice? And I said, you know, interestingly enough, I don't want to practice law. I, I want the degree and the education and I want to use that in some type of consulting capacity. I have an interest in consulting. He said, hey, I could take 15 minutes one evening and teach what they're going to take three years in, in law school to teach you. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> he said, uh, how would you like an apprenticeship? Uh, how would you like to serve an apprenticeship with us um, and learn about practice management? Oh, and wow. uh, the rest, as they say, is history. I, I worked for my first eight years in, in my career for a, a couple of large firms uh, learning um the the business of of coaching and consulting and in 1988 I hung my own shingle and uh, I started my own consultancy uh, called Tacus Learning Center TLC where we teach uh, dentists uh, the business uh, side of their of, of practice. Well, this is fascinating because you know one of the things you mentioned is that a lot of dentists go to school and they get really well educated on their field, but they don't necessarily get some of the business, the people skills, the leadership skills. And that's so true for so many of the professionals I work with too, that they've had a ton of training and knowledge in uh, engineering, professional work, whatever their area of specialty is. But when it comes to communications, human relations, productivity, they find that they just don't have a lot of those skills as much as they could. And I know like a lot of us, Dentists don't get a lot of that training in school. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see that your clients make in leading others? You bet. And and uh, Dave, you know, it's interesting that you frame it the way you did, you know, in the similarities between, say, you know, a dentist who's trained in a highly uh, clinical, narrow, you know, field of science 
Uh, and it's interesting that you say that uh, many of the people that you deal with in, in executive positions in leadership have, have actually had some of the same reality. Uh, oh, yeah. Whether they come from a legal background or an engineering background, um, I'm sure many of the same things uh, uh, exist. Absolutely. And I talk about to be, to be successful as, as a dentist, they have to master three realms. Uh, and the three realms that I talk about are, and this will lead me into your, to, to answer your question, but the three realms that I talk about, I talk about as a three-legged uh, milk stool. And I like to use that analogy because it kind of gives you a picture in your mind. We all know what that looks like. And the three legs are important because if any one of those legs, you know, isn't there, what would happen to the milk stool? Fall over. Topples over. Yeah. Uh, but it's also important to think about those legs as, as being equal length because if they're not equal length, the stu stool will be unstable. Sure. And so the three realms that are in my uh, profession, in my industry are, they have to master the, the clinical delivery of dentistry. They have to do good dentistry. Secondly, they have to master the business side. They have to learn how to, to make a profit uh, delivering dentistry and taking care of their patients. But the third realm that they have to master is the realm that they have the hardest time with typically. And I simply call it the behavioral side of dentistry, oh. the, the people side. And in that realm, I talk about it as leadership, team building, communication, um, interacting, connecting. All of those things in that third realm. And, and of those three, if, you, if we had you know, 100 dentists in, in, in front of us, uh, 100 dentists would tell you that uh, the other two realms they're more comfortable with. They, they can learn those things. But it's this third realm, this behavioral side or the people side, that they really um, have not had much experience with by virtue of their education, have not had much exposure to that. And, and that can make all the difference in the world. And, and the good news is my clients, listeners to the podcast, realize that and, and they're working just as hard. One of the things I've taught my clients is that for every clinical course they take, counterbalance that with a behavioral course. For example, you'll, you'll appreciate this, Dave. For every clinic, perhaps take a Dale Carnegie course. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, that's not a bad idea, is it? Absolutely. We're all for that. <laughs> you know, it's, so me, it's funny. My clients would say the exact same thing. And I've been really fortunate to work with some incredibly intelligent people, especially in engineering and technology over the years. And they're super smart people. And they've got the, the their technology piece down. They've got a good handle for the business most of the time. But they would tell you, you know, it's the people side. It's the behavior. It's the leadership that they really struggle with. With. And most of them are, are smart enough to really know that and to want to get better at doing that, which is great. And I'm, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of them. And I see that exact same model in, in my clients too. You bet. Let, let me answer the, the question directly. Uh, as, as you asked it, you know, what are some common mistakes I, I see them making in leading others? And I came up with three, and these are the three that I see routinely. I'll number them just so I can remember to cover all three, but they're not numbered in order. But what, one I would say is, is failing to recognize that they need to lead, hmm. you know, and remember that, that, that 82% of the dentists, uh, in the world are, are in a, uh, or in the United States are, are, are in a solo practice where you have a dentist with his or her team. Uh, so in, in, in my industry, we're talking about 82% of the time we're talking about dentists that's solo with perhaps anywhere from four five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 team members. So in business parlance, a relatively small group that sure. they're leading, but one, I would say failing to recognize that they, they need to lead. You know, number one. Uh, number two, I would say not developing different leadership styles. Um, I happen to be a, a huge fan uh, of, of the, the study of emotional intelligence, EQ. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure uh, that's a topic that you're interested in as well, Dave. Uh, we've never talked about it, but I can only imagine that that's a topic that interests you. Oh, for sure. Daniel Goleman's work is, uh, I think, Goleman, on all yeah. of our bookshelves uh, is just, just, you know, such important things for leaders to be thinking about. 
But in my recognition, if Dennis having a leadership skills at all, and that's a big if right there, it's usually a one size fits all in, in uh, using Daniel Goleman's uh, analogy. It's like playing golf with nothing but a five iron. Mm. Uh, and the truth is you can play an entire round of golf with a five iron. You can even putt with it if you, if you played the ball, uh, but it's, it's, it's only the right club, uh, a small portion of the time. Yeah. And so in the same way that if a dentist only has one leadership style and, and uses that every time, very often it isn't very effective because it may not be very relevant to the particular leadership. It may not be relevant to the person or the situation that requires a leadership. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I love the analogy too. I hadn't heard that one before. I'm definitely going to steal that. Oh, but be my guest. Uh, Daniel Goldman talks a lot about it. And as a golfer myself, I can relate to it. Uh, uh, but the third one is um, not devoting enough time uh, to mentor the people they're leading, you know, to mentor them. So in other words, uh, uh, just not spending the time uh, that it takes to to be an effective leader and to be of influence to the people that we're leading. Uh, so I would say those are the three that jump out at me that we, we see very commonly, a fail, fail, failure to recognize a need to lead at all, not developing different leadership styles, and not devoting enough time to the leadership process. Yeah, and that third one really resonates with me too, Gary, because that's, I think, some of the bias that some leaders bring in is that, well, if I'm not working, if I'm not doing the either the, in, with your clients, the clinical side or the business side, I'm not really working, but really the behavioral piece developing, mentoring, coaching people is part of a leader's work. Like that's a big chunk of a leader's well, it's work. It's huge. May I share a story related to that third point? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, Dave, but perhaps your listeners don't know this, that uh, I am not a dentist. I've, I've never been a dentist. My background is the business side of dentistry. Uh, however, uh, I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. Here in Arizona, you don't have to be a dentist to own a practice. And I actually own a practice. Uh, it's called Life Smiles Dental Care. Uh, it's a dental practice that I own in partnership with a young uh, doctor, Dr. Paul Nielsen. He and I own that practice in, in a partnership. Um, and we've owned that practice since uh, April uh, or since May of 2007. Hmm. So it's been just over six years. And it serves as a learning and teaching laboratory. It allows me to test some things uh, that when I'm, when I'm teaching, when I'm, when I'm uh, speaking, and when I'm coaching, it allows, us, it allows me to test some things, kind of like a test kitchen. Uh, where we can test some things and and then I can share from from our real life experience of what's working and what isn't working. And uh, it's been a fabulous addition to my work to have that practical experience of uh, of of being you know in the trenches every day doing the same things that uh, my clients and and my audiences are doing as well. And anyway, we we had it, I don't mind I'm very transparent uh, as you know, uh, Dave, and uh, I don't mind uh, acknowledging the failures that we have in our practice because very often people can learn as much from the failures as as the successes. Yeah, uh, but, one but great was, thing about uh, leadership is to acknowledge, <laughs> be transparent about those failures. <laughs> you bet. A couple years ago. Um, we were uh, struggling with uh, uh, leadership uh, in a particular area in our practice. Uh, we have administrative team members. We have two fabulous administrative team members, uh, Lori and Carly, that work uh, at the front desk, if you will, or, or on the administrative side of our practice. And they were feeling disconnected uh, to uh, to Paul, to Dr. Nielsen. Uh, they would see him for uh, you know maybe five minutes at the beginning of the day um, in the morning huddle, and and then they might not see him. Uh, till he was waving goodbye at the end of the day by virtue of, you know, him being busy with his patients, you know, at the, uh, uh, you know, in the treatment room. The, the, our assistants were getting plenty of time with him. Our hygienists were getting plenty of time with him. But uh, our two uh, business team members were not getting much time with him. And, and they were having a hard time, you know, uh, uh, being able to ask questions and and uh, being able to get feedback from him on, on different things. They were working on different projects within the practice. And they're feeling disconnected. And as a result of that, um, we were uh, stubbing our toe a little bit. 
And so we came up with a great idea that once a week, uh, Paul would take uh, Lori and Carly uh, out to lunch, just the three of them, mm-hmm. and they would go out and working a lunch. Um, and uh, they'd have an hour together uh, to simply connect and to talk about the things that uh, they didn't get to talk about because uh, the departments, if you will, uh, didn't provide much opportunity to connect during the day. Sure. And that hour a week that they spend together at lunch is something that has really provided a massive difference in the um, in in the way we function as a team. Hmm. Um, and easy thing to do, um, but uh, but not if you're if you're not willing to devote the time to it. And uh, and and you know, Paul said to me, "Well, what what should we talk about?" I said, "Well, certainly you can you can come with an agenda and you can talk about things, but um, it can be connection time." Find yeah. out what's going on in their lives. Find out what, what's happening. You know, what, what, what's happening in, in Lori's life right now. You know, what's important to her? What's going on? It can be just, you can have just as much value in that meeting, having that be social time with the doctor, in our case, uh, as it being any kind of a formal meeting agenda. Yeah, that's, that's a great example, Gary. And I, I'm glad you shared that story because it's, and it's a reminder to me that so much of leading people well are a lot of times the things that may seem really simple or I, I dare to say even obvious, but it's the the diligence and the commitment to do it consistently. And when we do that, that I mean, I think some of Dale Carnegie's brilliance was just keeping things simple. But if we do it consistently, it really does provide some amazing results. It really, really, really does. And uh, that that simple change, we went from um, you know two team members feeling. Um, out of the loop, feeling feeling disconnected, feeling like they were getting everything secondhand, uh, and they have such high respect and regard for for Paul um, that uh, you know they 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 really treasured the time that they they that they get you know with him. Uh, we've actually taken that now and and we have uh, created that uh, across the practice, and so uh, we now have a time where the assistants, even though they spend day to day time with them, you know they're working closely together day to day, but sometimes you know they're so you're so involved in the work that you're doing that you don't have an opportunity to really connect. Uh, so he now does that with the assistants and the hygienist as well. Oh, and uh, it's become a neat thing to, to do uh, to stay connected with the team. Well, speaking of your practice, when we met a few months ago, you were telling me about something that you've done uh, in the in your business just to remember people's names and to interact with patients. And I thought it was a brilliant idea with the TV monitors and all that. Can you share that with our audience and just how you put that together and integrating with kind of that Dale Carnegie principle of using people's names? You bet. And, and of course, uh, I think I learned that first from uh, uh, how to how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. Um, but you know, more recently, can I put you on the spot and ask you a question first, sure, Dave? Sure, of course. Okay, uh, you'll probably remember the theme song uh, for the sitcom uh, Cheers. Oh, sure. I won't ask you to sing it, but do you remember how that first line went? You want to go? Where everyone knows your name. <laughs> Where everyone knows your name. Yeah, I remember uh, you that. Bet. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I lecture uh, about 40 times a year, almost every Friday uh, during the during the speaking season, which in our industry kind of parallels the school year, you know, September through, through mid-June, you know, is the speaking season. And almost every Friday I'm lecturing somewhere around the country uh, uh, at a conference or uh, some kind of a continued education event. And uh, it, it's a bit sobering though. Recently, I, I think I was lecturing in Florida and, and I said, uh, you, you all remember the, the, the sitcom cheers. And there, there was a young dental assistant sitting in the front row and she had this look on her, in her face, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she had never heard of the, the show. Oh, cheers. Wow. Uh, that made me feel a little bit older right yeah, there. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> me too. Me too. Seriously. 
we actually use um, uh, visuals um, as as a really fun. Uh, uh, we we do a fun thing in our practice, and um, we do a morning huddle. Our, our morning huddle is five five minutes long, um, and I love the terminology huddle. Anybody that's ever played, uh, you know, even uh, Sandlot football knows what a huddle is. Yeah, you know, we, we know what the huddle is, and uh, this is a five minute meeting to start our day. And in fact, I wrote an article uh, years ago for one of our trade publications for Dental Economics. Uh, I'm going to guess that that probably doesn't exist in your uh, uh, in your bathroom magazine rack. Is that correct, Dave? Dental economics? Yeah, no. Not, not so much. No, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but mm-hmm. it not not a subscription I have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, anyway, I wrote an article titled "Huddle or Muddle," and the concept of the article was either you huddle and you plan your day and and you anticipate what's going to happen during that day and you figure out. Uh, where the roadblocks are and where the stumbling blocks are, um, or you muddle through the day. Mm. And and I'm going to tell you right now that I wouldn't want to own a dental practice without doing a morning huddle. It absolutely sets the stage for the day. It's five minutes long. And we do ours digitally. And one of the things that we do is we take pictures uh, of our patients. And we take a simple, you know, smile for me picture. And we, we take a digital photo. Mm-hmm. We upload those photos into our digital records. And in the morning huddle, as we're going through the morning huddle, we pull up those photos. And I'd like to think that my team members have a very good memory, Dave, uh, and they really do. But, you know, we've got a couple thousand patients mm. and even the best memory might have trouble remembering all 2000 of those, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, but I'll tell you what, when Kelly, one of my hygienists or Mary Ellen, one of the other hygienists, uh, they're going to see eight patients during the day. Um, and, and most of the time they'll remember, they look at the schedule and they'll see Dave's name and they're going to remember you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we pull their picture up as we go through the huddle very quickly. And the act of seeing the photo gives my team members an instant memory of that patient. The mm-hmm. last thing in the world, imagine, you know, we're a busy office. Um, imagine our reception room. We don't call it a waiting room, by the way. We call it a reception room. Imagine in the reception room, imagine there's three male patients sitting there uh, waiting for their appointment time. I don't want Kelly coming out there saying, Dave, Dave, mm. which one of you is Dave? Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, we would never do that. That 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 is uh, the opposite of how to win friends and influence people. Wouldn't wouldn't Dale Carnegie agree? Uh, Dale Carnegie would absolutely agree. <laughs> I want her to absolutely know that uh, Dave with the yellow shirt is is Dave, and and I want her to greet you with a warm handshake or a hug and say it's so good to see you, Dave. Come on back. Neat. And the act of showing that photo. Uh, very often brings back a flood of memories that allow them to remember their patients that they're seeing that day in a very positive way. You know, it's a, it's a great example of just kind of putting that into the process of how you interact with people and taking the time to really recognize people's names and utilizing makes a huge difference to how welcome people feel like when they're interacting with you. Yeah, exactly. And and the act of seeing seeing that patient in a quick digital photo, uh, like I said, brings back a flood of memories that allows us to interact with them in a customer service manner that um, it really is is fantastic. You know, I, I don't healthcare is not the industry, whether it be dentistry or medicine, healthcare is not the industry to to look for for guidance on customer service. Sadly, the, the standard is so low, it's pathetic. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've had any recent experiences with physicians or, or heaven forbid, a hospital visit or something like that. But uh, uh, sadly, uh, customer service is pretty low. So I like to look outside of our industry to find customer service examples and then bring them back to, in our case, dentistry. Mm. And I, I want to experience, uh, I want our patients to experience a level of customer service that uh, has them walking out of there and saying, wow. In fact, what we, what we really are, are driving theme 
is that we want our practice to be such a comfortable place and such a pleasant place to be that anywhere else they are is a harsher place. Hmm. We want them to want to spend time in our office. And think about that. That's a dental office. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, how many people want to go to the dentist? Right. You know? And let's be <laughs> candid about it. I mean, I, I don't mind. You won't bruise me. I will not have hurt feelings if you say, hey, you, you're in an industry where people don't want to see you. You're right. But there's a way to deliver customer service that uh, has patients, you know, literally just, ah, this is how I want to be treated. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, hey, we got another name. <laughs> like got to start there. Yeah, exactly. You know, like a lot of members of our community, I mean, dentists are, you know, pretty intelligent people. Uh, they've spent a lot of time in school. Uh, you coach a lot of dentists. How do you get really smart people to get out of their own heads and focus on looking at things from the other person's perspective? That's a great question. And, and I wish there was a simple answer to that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, and there isn't. I'll, I'll preface I'm, it I'm hoping I'm, gonna, I'm writing notes here as you answer here. I'm uh, expecting brilliance. I like to frame it this way for my clients. So Dave, may, may I talk to you as if I was speaking to a client right now? Sure. And, and, and I'll do this for your listeners as well, because I think that the visual imagery that I'm about to provide, I think will help um, answer that question. Go for it. Um, so Dr. Dave, um, imagine that there you're you're in Orange County. Uh, in, in what particular uh, town are you in Orange County? Uh, I live in a town called Ladera Ranch. Okay, I know where it is exactly. Um, so, Dave, just play along, Doctor Dave. Play along with me, if you will. Uh, imagine that there is a park um, in Ladera Ranch, and imagine it's a community park. And imagine that's very lush, very green. And just imagine that maybe even it has a little stream that runs through it. I'm probably stretching it there. But but just imagine that there's this park. Okay, okay? got it, got it. And now imagine, Dr. Dave, that uh, there's a bench in the middle of the park uh, under the shade and it's beautiful. It's it's just quite a, a bucolic place to be. And imagine that two of your patients find themselves on that park bench. Hmm. And imagine they, they, they say hello and, and, and they discover that the one thing they have in common in their life, besides the fact that they both live in Ladera Ranch, the one thing they have in common is that they happen to go to the same dentist and it's you. Hmm. What, what do you think they would talk about if they happen to be on that bench and they discover that, oh, wow, you happen to go to the same dentist that I go. Do you think they would talk? I'm going to use some technical language over here just a second, Dave. Do you imagine that they would talk about the incisal edge translucency on teeth number eight and nine of those beautiful crowns that they received in your practice? <laughs> Probably not. Did you believe they might talk about the way their teeth are in perfect occlusion and the canine guidance that they have through their bite is, is textbook. Do you imagine that they would talk about that? Definitely not. Yep. Um, <laughs> I could be even more absurd about these examples and, and uh, I'm fine. It's all humor. Greek to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but do you imagine that they would talk about anything like that? No, definitely not. No. But if they were to talk about something, what would they talk about? If they were to, to see either good or bad, what would they talk about? Oh, it'd be the experience in the office. For exactly. sure. Yeah. Maybe how the person answered the phone. Yeah. How, how they or, answered or, the or, phone. What was the last visit like? What do you think about him? His personality, that type of thing. Those would be the things I'd talk about. Or how cool it is that every time they come in, Kelly remembers their name. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and it's funny you, know, you mention that no, because um, Bonnie and I switched dentists a few years back and she came back from the first experience with this new dentist. Like they remembered my name. They had these video things. It was just like this great experience and it got me into the practice. And now like they say hi to us every time we walk in and it's just a great experience. And, and, it, and it was because of a conversation just like that. 
Well, let me tell you that I spend time in my own practice observing and working with our team. And, and just the other day, I observed Kelly. She's taking her patient back. And as she's walking her patient back to her treatment room, imagine this was you, Dave. And, and she said, hey, Dave, I remember when you were here last time, you were about to go on that cruise to Alaska. How was that? Mm, yeah. Now, what does that say to Dave? I, I matter. I'm remembered. You're important. Yeah. Um, she remembered. And it, I think it conveys so many things at, at a social level that are so important. And so that's how I frame it for, for my clients is, is imagine that's how I get them to appreciate customer service because most of them don't have the appreciation for it because they are very technical. They're very scientific. Uh, they're very task oriented. Um, you know, they're, they're much more one side of the brain instead of the other. Um, and when I frame it that way and they, I ask them to see it through your patient's eyes because the patient isn't going to see it through their eyes. And that simple act of the park and the park bench is a grounding that I bring them back to throughout the work that I do. Mm. So, so let's say I'm now working with them. We're engaged in a project. We're talking about elevating customer service and we're, we're stubbing our toe by, and we, we can measure it because we do things like surveys of patients and, and we get surveys back and the surveys say that we're not as good as we, we want to be. I can ground them. I can bring them back. Doc, remember when we talked about that park bench mm. and they come back to that as, as a grounding foundation. Yes, yes. Okay, got it. I got it. So I try to give them some kind of a foundation to come back to that we can teach from. And it usually is something that, that they don't naturally share organically in their perspective. Nice. Very. Does smart. that help? Does that yeah. help? No, that's great. It's a great analogy. And I think uh, that's, I've, I've, I've heard the phrase before, um, how effective a leader you are can be judged by what people say when you're not in the room. Yeah. About oh, you. you <laughs> so that's a perfect example of that. There you go. That's a, that is another great uh, uh, kind of a, a, a context to be thinking about your leadership. You bet. Yeah, but I love the way you painted the picture there. And that's something I might steal too to, uh, to utilize when I'm talking with clients. Just painting that picture and it makes it so real because we've all of us have been in those situations where we've discovered that commonality about someone and then we're talking about them. And, uh, and it is always, uh, you know, most of the time, the behavioral type things that we're talking about. Um, you know, I recently interviewed Barry Schwartz, who did a TED Talk on practical wisdom. And one of the things he talks and cites about is, um, you know, research on happiness and how it's coming down to a lot of the research on happiness, our fulfillment with two things, love and work. And so love makes sense to a lot of people that that would provide fulfillment. But I think a lot of people are surprised about work, that work would provide fulfillment. And one of the things that I really like about you and, and that really captivated about me when I learned about your story is you've really seemed to put together this architecture for an amazing career that really aligns beautifully with your life and your passions. Can you tell me a little bit more about just kind of the <laughs> some of the ways you've done that? And I, I'm sure. interested really too in like just how you've set up things like with the motorcycle rides and the trips. And uh, sure. I just think that's really cool and just kind of how you how you went about doing that. Well, I, I have eliminated a word for my vocabulary, by the way, uh, Dave. Um, work. Ah, it's it's not in my vocabulary. <laughs> I don't work. <laughs> well, that's 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 another reason I like it. <laughs> I literally don't work, and uh, I have I have four uh, four kids. Um, uh, my my children range in age from uh, thirty six, my uh, my oldest, uh, uh, to uh, my youngest, who's eighteen. Mm. Uh, we have we have eighteen years uh, between our oldest and youngest, and uh, I've tried to teach my kids that if you choose something you love to do, you never have to work a day in your life. Mm, and uh, yeah. although if I was to run the clock, sometimes like you, uh, Dave, there there's some uh, weeks where uh, you know I'm logging uh, 
know, 70, 80, 90 hours. And I'm sure you've, you've had that as well, no, but honestly, sure. I don't think of it as work. Uh, and, and maybe that, that's, uh, you know, call me, a, uh, call me the optimist and, uh, uh, that's okay. I'll take that as a compliment. And, uh, but that's my perspective. I, I, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do and passionate about what I do. And, uh, I, uh, really have been a big believer in com- combining, uh, the idea of work and fun. Mm. Um, it's been my life's work to study successful, uh, d- dental practices. Uh, Dave, physically, uh, I have been in over 2000 as a coach, um, in 48 States, six provinces in Canada. I've, I've been in over uh, 2000 practices. Wow. I, I've, I've spoken, uh, I've lectured, uh, uh, uh spoken, uh, over 12,000 hours of, of, uh, certified dental continued education. Um, it's, and I don't say that to boast, but just to give you a little bit of a perspective on the seat time that I've had, <laughs> you know, yeah, at this. Yeah. but none of it's been work, but I love the idea. So uh, I love the idea of combining work and, and fun. And I did a study uh, a number of years ago where I studied very successful practice, uh, practices and, and very successful dentists. And I tried to find the, my goal was to find the common denominator. I kind of modeled my study, um, uh, you know, after uh, the really, uh, really great work after Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, where yep. he studied very great successful stuff. people and tried to find the common denominator. I modeled it. I modeled my methodology after after Dr. Covey, and I studied successful practices and I tried to find the common denominator, and it completely blew me away that the only common denominator that I could find is that these dentists that were successful by whatever measurement you wanted to use, if you wanted to use economics, the quality of dentistry that they were doing, the size of their practices, their, their reputation, their community, however you wanted to measure it, th- these, were, these were top dog practices. They were at the top, uh, you know, in, in the highest level of performance that you could possibly measure. The only common denominator I could find was, was these dentists had fun every day. Mm. They actually really enjoyed what they were doing. And that sounds bizarre. You know, you're doing dentistry (laughs) for people that sometimes don't want to be there, but they figured out a way to make it fun. And so I have modeled that in my own work uh, outside of my work and my family. Um, I, uh, I I love riding motorcycles and racing cars. Um, I'm, uh, I I believe oil actually uh, courses through my veins, Um, but uh, (laughs) I do love riding motorcycles and, (laughs) and, uh, and racing cars. And uh, anyway, a number of years ago, I started a division of our company called Ride and Learn. This is where we take dentists on Harley Davidson motorcycle tours. Now imagine that, Dave. Awesome. So my dealer, Hacienda Harley Davidson, ships 20 motorcycles, 20 bikes that ship them in a tractor trailer rig around the country. We tend to build our rides around national parks, really beautiful places to, to go and to see. And uh, we do a, a, a four-day ride. And uh, every evening, uh, we do a serious continued education course in the lodge, wherever we are. And so we spend... Uh, uh, from at least six till nine in the evening, uh, at the end of the day, uh, educating and, and, and incorporating very serious education. And I bring, uh, speakers that are, uh, uh, the, the, uh, highest regarded speakers in our industry come on these where many of them actually ride motorcycles and they come on our rides and, and they provide our education in the evening. And so we, uh, we've done 36 trips over the years, uh, wow. gone to some fantastic places. Uh, and I, I, what I wanted to do is I wanted to take dentists, um, outside of the stuffy learning environment, you know, traditionally, you know, these are in, in hotels with folding chairs, you know, yep. and, and I wanted to take them out of the stuffy learning environment and I wanted to create a learning experience that allows the entire experience to come alive. Um, we also do race and learn, uh, happen to enjoy racing cars and we go to racetracks around the country and we combine a serious dental education course, uh, with a high performance driving, of course, where we turn the, 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 uh, 
instruction over to the driving instructors that, that teach us how to do high-performance driving. We, we uh, do, do one right here in Chandler, Arizona, the Bob Bondurant School of High-Performance Driving, where uh, one day they, they actually have an auto museum. And on Friday, they convert the auto museum to our teaching theater. Hmm. And, and we do our education. And the next day, uh, all of the attendees are out on the racetrack um, doing uh, 10 different exercises with uh, everything from go-karts, uh, shifter go-karts, uh, to Z06 Corvettes. Um, wow. How fun is that? <laughs> it sounds like uh, a lot more fun than sitting in a hotel conference room, for sure. Well, and what happens is the education uh, becomes, uh, it literally makes it come alive and it becomes memorable for the attendees because, you know, uh, we may have had Dr. Gordon Christensen uh, educating us about the latest material in dentistry, but the next day we were at uh, Yellowstone National Park. And and so they'll connect Dr. Christensen and Yellowstone National uh, Park and the memory will be lifelong. You know, it, it, they won't forget that. You're a pretty successful guy, Gary, and I'm curious, what's a time that you've learned a lesson that's helped you to communicate or engage with people better? Yeah, I learned this um, at uh, the apron string of my grandmother. Uh, I was blessed to have one of the most incredible grandmothers uh, on, the, on the planet, um, and uh, she, um, in fact, she, she actually was a, a contemporary of, uh, of Dale Carnegie hmm. uh, by age, Yep. Um, but uh, my grandmother uh, never knew a stranger. Uh, we, we used to ride the bus with her. She never drove a car. We used to ride the bus with her. And, um, but within minutes of getting on the bus uh, before her next stop, she would have five new best friends hmm. <laughs> on the bus with her. <laughs> and you can imagine I was a little boy. I was probably four or five years old watching this. Yeah. And, uh, I was just watching just how amazing she would find a way to connect with people. Um, and she'd find some common ground. She'd find some way to connect with them and, uh, she would have new friends and, uh, her life was very rich by the friendships that she made. And so I had the wonderful model of my grandmother who, who was the ultimate people person. And, uh, I had that model and, and I learned it early on and it's never left my side. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I teach my, my clients, um, one of the challenges we have in dentistry is, is educating patients so that they, um, want to move forward with their treatment. You know, and, and, and we call it uh, a case presentation. Hmm. And case presentation is easy if it hurts. Uh, but Dave, can we agree that it's a challenge if the tooth doesn't hurt? And, oh, and yeah. the, the, the truth is, much of what uh, dental disease and dental issues are what we call asymptomatic, meaning it, means, meaning it doesn't hurt. And, and so the challenge is how do we communicate with patients so they're interested in making dentistry a higher priority and, and making progress towards ideal oral health. And, and what I tell my clients is that if they want to have great case acceptance and if they want their patients to say, yes, doctor, I'd like to uh, move forward with your plan, I actually teach them a, a, a way to do that that really kind of punctuates the whole discussion that we've had today in this interview. Hmm. And what I teach them is that if they want to have good case acceptance, they need to learn to listen so that people talk and learn to speak so that people listen. Uh-huh. Now, it's a bit of a tongue twister. Can I repeat that again just to make sure I got it right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to learn to listen so that people talk. And then we need learn to speak so that people will listen. And I think there's so much magic in that. I mean, unfortunately, it's been reduced to a phrase that, that can sound trivial if you don't really give it the attention that it's due. But think how important that is. How often do are we really listening, Dave? I mean, and, and a question that I ask is, are you really listening or are you just waiting for your turn to talk? Mm. Now, I, I think Dale Carnegie would 
agree with those concepts. <laughs> oh, he I sure think. for sure would. I find myself running into it all the time. And as I've interviewed more and more people over the last couple of years, I'm always challenging myself to really be listening to what people are saying versus thinking of just what's the next question I'm going to ask as an interviewer. And let me tell you, Gary, and I know you've done a lot of interviewing people too. That really takes some time. And I'm I'm not anywhere close to being it's a skill. good at that yet. It's a skill. Yeah, it really is. It really yeah. is a skill. And same thing in in uh, leadership, you know, that um you know, if you if you learn to listen, you can learn so much. I, for example, when when Paul does lunch with our our team members, he listens to them and he learns what's important to them. And so then when he's working with them, he can then be very um personal in terms of sharing information and sharing knowledge that really uh, resonates with them. But you have to listen first. And so really that key is learn to listen so that people speak and then and learn to, to speak so that people will listen. And uh, I think that's something I'll be working on throughout my entire life. I don't think that's something you check off the box is done. You know, uh, the to-do list is done. <laughs> and on that, I am right there with you, sir. It, Gary, I could talk to you for another hour. I so appreciate your wisdom and your experience and sharing it with us and particularly the examples. And I want to um, let folks know that you have a podcast as well called The Thriving Dentist. So you can go on iTunes and just type in dentist. Now, here's the thing is I know a lot of uh, our audience isn't dentists, of course, but um, hopefully you all have a dentist and hopefully you're going every six months like the ADA recommends. And here's what I did last time when I first met Gary and got talking to him. The next time I went to my dentist, I was sitting in the chair and we were talking about his business. And I said, hey, you know, what are you doing for your professional development? Would you be interested in this resource? I know someone who does a podcast. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. So <laughs> one thing you can do for Gary is the next time you're sitting in the dentist chair is to, uh, you know, strike up that conversation with your dentist. And uh, for once, you can do a little education of them, him or her, uh, versus them just uh, teaching you about your teeth. How's that sound, Gary? Well, hey, Dave, thank you. And, you know, I, I'll share something with you. I am I'm passionate about... Uh, about dentistry and about great oral health. And so uh, if we happen to have any listeners that uh, have been wayward with, with visiting a dentist, don't worry, I'm not going to shake my finger at you. I'm not going to punish you. But uh, there are so many values uh, to experiencing great oral health that if, if you've been away from the dentist, go find one. Go go find a good one. If you happen to live in the greater Phoenix area, uh, Paul and I would love to see as a patient. Our practice is called Life Smiles Dental Care. Uh, we'd love to take care of you. But uh, wherever you are uh, listening to this, um, if you haven't been to the dentist for a while, go find one. The profession is is wonderful. You know, there's no, uh, recently I read a statistic that uh, 48% of all adults in the United States uh, put off a visit to the dentist because of fear or apprehension. And that's real, but there there is uh, no uh, no reason to be fearful today. Uh, a sad statistic, uh, Dave, is, is that in 2010, the most recent year I have information on this, only 37% of the adults in the United States visited the dentist in 2010. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, certainly the economy and, and other priorities, you know, uh, have some a reason for explaining that. But uh, I'm passionate about getting more people to the dance. Uh, if you haven't been to the dance for, for a while, it's time. Uh, there's so many. But today we know that your oral health, the health of your mouth, is directly connected to your systemic health. There's a direct connection to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, early term birth. Uh, preeclampsia, early-term birth, and, and certain cancers, uh, including pancreatic cancer. And so there's some real compelling reasons why you should have a, a great relationship with your dentist. Gary Takis is the host and producer of the Thriving Dentist podcast and uh, and also just really wise guy. Thanks so much <laughs> for joining me, Gary. I appreciate it. David, it's been a blast to be on the other side of the mic. Thanks for having me. <laughs> My pleasure.
Oh, he's great to listen to, isn't he? You know, uh, the thing I really like about Gary, I mean, not only is he an expert in what he does, he's been doing it for many years, he knows his stuff super great, but the thing that's really great about him is he's so likable. You know, he just, we must have talked like 20 or 30 minutes before we actually started the interview, and I think we talked for 10 or 15 minutes afterwards, and he's just got that great, wonderful, likable personality, and I I was thinking after I uh, hung up with him eventually that you know, how likable am I as a leader? You know, I I don't think I'm quite that likable. And I'm sure that that skill really helps him in his work. Uh, You know, he brings the business credibility and the experience, but man, that that behavioral skills, those behavioral skills he talked about and that great rapport building he has and that likable personality, I know serves him well in his leadership role. I hope I have some aspects of that. And I wonder how likable you are too. And that's a great coaching question for all of us is, are we likable? Uh, You know, and if we're not, that's a huge obstacle for us as leaders of being able to influence others. And so, uh, you know, we can have all the right pieces in place. We can do all, make all the right decisions. But if we're not likable, if people don't feel comfortable chatting with us and opening up to us, a lot of that stuff we never have a chance to even get to. So good reminder for me, I know, and I hope it's a good reminder for you too. Hey, and I also hope that you'll join the conversation. I know Gary will jump in as well too. Go to coachingforleaders.com slash 93. And if you go there, you'll see the notes for the show. You'll also uh, see some great ways to connect with Gary. And at the bottom of that page, like every episode that I air, you'll see the place you can add in comments. I'd love to hear what was helpful to you from this episode, and I know Gary would as well, too. Uh, you can also feel free to call me with feedback. My number is 94938LEARN, or you can email me as well. My email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, this week I'd like to thank Jacqueline Thorpe, Russ Kennedy, Rachel Hall, Jamie Davis, Monica B., Scott Allison, and Jack Kelly for following me this week on social media. Thank you to all of you for reaching out. I've <laughs> That's not the right music. Let me try this again. Uh, that's a little bit better. Hey, you know, uh, never perfect, like leadership. Hey, thank you so much for reaching out. If uh, you would like to stay connected on social media as well, and uh, get all the articles and announcements and things I send out uh, during the week, just go to coachingforleaders.com and uh, you'll see at the top of the page, there's the social media icons. Just click on the one that works best for you. Hey, I'm doing that weekly quick coach video now answering questions from folks. So if that's something that's interesting to you, uh, connect with me on social media. You'll see the post. It's also at the coachingforleaders.com website. And if you'd like to get that midweek booster shot, I send out my email article every week. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. That will get you in on the uh, on the weekly articles and you can stay in touch with me during the week. But also more importantly, you get something of value midweek too. Have a great week, everyone. See you in a week. <laughs>